0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: Hi, this is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine.
2: And Laura Berhani from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And today we're going to have a little bit of fun. We
1: <laughs> We're going to talk about the myths and sort of rigid ideas and dogma that is somehow been adopted into dog training and we are not sure why and we don't know where they came from (laughs) some of them and some of them we do yeah and some of
2: them you know may have made sense before but they don't now or they may still make sense but it doesn't mean that they're mandatory
1: or that they're applicable to every situation exactly right so what do we mean by this? Well, uh, for instance, and I think the first one that we came up when we were started to talk about this was a dog has to heel on the left. Yes. that's You know, you go to a new client's house, and, and
2: they want to teach the dog to walk on a leash. And I say, well, which side do you want the dog to walk on? Well, he's supposed to walk on the left, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> that's what you want. He's, he's your dog. <laughs> it's up to you. And They're- most people are right-handed, so they would prefer the dog walk in their right hand on their right side because their right side is stronger
1: right well and so you know there's no healing police that are going to run out and get you, <laughs> if you over and give side. you a
2: ticket for walking the dog on the wrong side of the
1: yeah but it's but it's kind of this idea that people get it in their head that there are shoulds these are the shoulds of dog training mm-hmm. another should real strong should is the dog should wait until you go through the door before he goes through the door
2: because if he goes through first it means that he's the leader or he's in charge and you know what that's never made sense to me if i have if it's pouring down rain outside and i have to let my dog out to go to the bathroom i'm not going to step out the door first into the pouring down rain just to prove a point
1: well i think i do know where this one came from and if i had to guess there is some leadership involved in it and that is that you should control the door yes so The idea being that your dog shouldn't go busting through the door without any cue from you that that's okay. Yeah. And probably that's easiest to achieve if you make the dog wait while you go through the door first. For For people who are not
2: yeah but then there are also the people who they start to go through the door now their back is to the dog and the dog comes barging through and knocks their knees out from underneath them anyway right but for me it's not who goes through
1: the door first it's who decides who goes through the door first and there and therein (laughs) lies the the foundation for that idea i think it really is about who makes the decision about when you go through the door or who goes through the door and so if your dog doesn't go through the door unless you've told them it's okay to go through the door, then it doesn't really matter if he goes out first. And Mm. my dogs always go out first, because I want to see where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a leash girl. I never (laughs) have the dogs on a leash. So I want to see where they are. And so I might leave them. But if I leave them and they don't go out the door behind me, then they're probably going to be left there while I go do things and they have to wait at the door anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of those things that you know what folks that doesn't matter it doesn't matter
2: as long as you do as long as you control the doorway and like for my dogs it's not just it's not just I open the door and they sit there staring out the door going I'm going for a walk I'm going for a walk or I'm going outside and they never look up at me Mm -hmm. no I require eye contact first Mm -hmm. they have to look up at me and go mother may I and then I say yes you may Mm -hmm. be my guest they have to at least acknowledge that I'm there for me to release them so they can go out the door
1: and honestly, I don't think I've ever really even given that any thought. But if I had to guess, they're all looking at me because they're trying to decide who I'm going to, re- who I'm going to um, release first. Because mm-hmm. I usually don't let them all go at one time. That's just yeah. a matter of having multiple dogs, and I want them to know that they aren't going as a unit; that they're going as single dogs. So it, again, that's not any rule I have, other than the fact that I want them to know that. It's about me deciding when you're going to go, not me deciding when the whole group of you is yeah. going to go. And in that case, like, because I do
2: the same thing, is I don't let my dogs go out the door all at the same time either. Just mm-hmm. because it's kind of a recipe for disaster. If you have really, if it's first thing in the morning and the dogs are really amped up and they're going to bump into each other and stuff. And if we have a space, space personal space sensitive dog, you know. Mm-hmm. But, so what I do is I don't, you know, all the dogs, they have a general release term that applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, if you have three dogs sitting on the, on, at the doorway and you open the door and you say, All right, Sammy, well, guess what? Once I said All right, all the dogs are gone mm-hmm. because that's their general release term. So mm-hmm. what I say is instead I say their name. Right. And their name only. Because even if I said their name and then All Right, the dogs would go, Oh, and right. we're all gone. Right. So I make sure that my dogs know that, like, let's say two are on one side and one's on another side and I open the door. I can say one dog's name and another dog's name and they will cross paths in the doorway and one will stay where he was. Right,
1: right. And not move. Yeah, me too. I I just absolutely cue them. I can cue them all together. The same thing. Mine is okay. And that just means that they can go. Or at the door, I'll say, get out too. But it doesn't matter that they go ahead of me. What matters is that they listen to figure out who I've determined is going to go through. So if two of them are staying, then I don't say their names, then I close the door behind me and off we go with the first two that we're going with Mm -hmm. it. So that's one of those rules that there's not a lot of... Well, there is probably a foundation for why it happened, just as there is with healing. But at this point, it's just become something that people grab a hold of and act as if it... It in and of itself has some kind of magic. And there is no magic if... My dogs go out the door ahead of me. It doesn't mean that they're going to disrespect me for the rest of the day. Yes, it does.
2: Don't you know? Just like walking on the leash, the dog cannot step in front of you. Uh His body cannot be in front of your legs, or it means he's
1: leading the walk. No, I don't think so. Actually, that's another one. Because honestly, I never teach my dogs to heal. If my dogs are on a leash, the requirement is don't pull. Mm -hmm. So I want a loose leash, and they need to... Respect a loose leash, but they don't have to be next to me. No, they just need to be paying enough attention to know that when that leash, they can feel when the leash starts to get taught. By the way, they don't have to turn around and look. If they're, what they have to do is, do, is dedicate a brain cell to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they learn a little part of their brain that has to be turned on to the idea that I am paying attention to that. But that doesn't mean that if they walk, you know, three feet ahead of me or two feet ahead of me, that they're taking over and they're now. Doesn't it the walk. mean
2: that they're determining where you're going to go? Nope. It totally means they're the leader, Kim. (laughs) Don't you know that?
1: It sure doesn't. They should
2: be walking like... Two inches from your leg and not a not an inch ahead or not, a, not an inch, inch behind either.
1: You know, and again, this is one of those that sort of gets its root in reality because there are dogs that it's really difficult for them to pay enough attention that when they're two feet ahead of you, they are going to know whether the leash is going to Once they lose
2: sight of you out of their peripheral vision, out of out of they're out on their own. <laughs>
1: That's right.
2: You're so, nowhere to be found. So for
1: those dogs, sometimes it is easier to teach them to maintain a a place where they can visually keep track of you and and so there is a reality there but it's not a rule that if you break it suddenly your dog has taken control and you've all gone to hell dominating you yeah yeah
2: so what was another one we had another one and now i don't think we covered why the dog has to walk on the left where that came from kim and i both have different ideas uh, well i've heard about lots four of where, different reasons yeah for that. yeah different different reasons i mean i heard that it was because you know when people really started training dogs it was hunters and most people were right-handed and so they carried the gun on the right hand side and they didn't want the dog on the side of the gun well
1: that's a good enough reason for me i, I always leave my gun at home but but that's, that's all yeah, <laughs> yeah but. my neighbors hate it when i walk around the neighborhood with my gun <laughs> but. But also, you know... I don't have a gun, folks. And there is
2: a reason. Not that that I use a choke chain anymore, but... if you use a choke chain in training there is a specific way yes. that the leash has to go on but you that could the, use it the other direction choke chain, you could but that's what's the fu- yeah. what the funny thing is is that people n- might might know that a choke chain has to go on in a specific direction but they don't know why right. which means that then if they move the dog to their right side the leash is the collar is on backwards right and the collar won't and, release correctly right and right. because they don't know why the collar has to go on a specific way they don't know that if you move the dog to the right hand side you're also supposed to turn the right. collar around
1: right and in dog. Shows, if you show an obedience training, that is the side that you heal a dog on. You mm-hmm. heal a dog on your left-hand side. So for for the purposes of showing your dogs in obedience or in working trials, which we did, which is mm-hmm. an English thing, um, you do heal a dog on the left-hand side. Yeah. But there is n- <laughs>
2: nothing's going
1: to come apart if yeah. you don't. <laughs> and I know plenty of people who
2: walk their dogs on one side or the other depending on where the grass is on their street they want their dog yeah. walking on you know the inside part or or the outside part you know the sidewalk part as well, opposed to
1: i just train my dogs that wherever i put you is where you stay what yeah. i don't want them is crossing in front of me going to, from side to side to side right and i have four dogs so usually there's two on one side two on the other side that's just mm-hmm. the way we walk but i could put all four of them on one side so it's just it's whatever you want there's no like real reason to do that unless you're going to take your gun out and again you know (laughs) I leave mine at home so everything is cool but anyway so there was but there was still another one that we had come up with that was sort of a one of those oh I know the dog can't sleep in the bed yeah I go to I go to people's houses and you know
2: one of my questions on the questionnaire is where does your dog sleep and like a lot of people won't fill that mm-hmm. out and i go down the questionnaire and they think i'm going to miss it or something mm-hmm. and i go oh you didn't fill this out where does he sleep and they get this look on Sheepish. their face <laughs> and they look at each other you're not going to well, like this no exactly exactly oh i know you're not going to like this but he sleeps on the bed and i'm all, i don't care as long as he doesn't as long as he doesn't hog the blankets or <laughs> well or stand up and growl at you and if, if you try to get yeah. him to move and he growls at you or bites at your feet you know or yeah, stands and hovers over your face if he's you, guarding
1: the bed yeah then we have a reason to kick him out of the bed yeah if he's if he's not letting your husband or your wife get in the bed then we have a reason to yes. keep the dog out of the bed if he wakes up in the night if you bump him and he growls at you or or snaps so def- at you yeah. then we have a reason to keep him out of the bed if he, like one of my dogs he decides that he's the only dog allowed on the bed and he's going to growl at the other dogs then we have a reason not to put him on the yes. bed yes but other than that, there is no solid reason not to let the dog sleep on the bed. And I have to tell you, I've had my dog sleeping on the bed for a long time. And it hasn't created any terrible things. I still have, you know, all my skin is still on my body. And your nose is perfectly <laughs> intact. <laughs> my neighbors haven't been killed. Nothing terrible has happened. They haven't... So,
2: and you it's know, the same thing for other furniture in general. Mm-hmm. The couch. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let him on the couch because then he's on an even level with you.
1: Now, um, there are dogs that... If you give them that much yes. leverage, they're going to have a problem, and they're going to show. They're going problems are going to they're going to take emerge. advantage of it. And if that happens, then you deal with it as a behavior problem. You don't deal with it as this dogmatic rule of no dogs aren't allowed there. Yeah, <laughs> you can. If you don't want dog hair on your, listen, it it does, you know, cause a lot of dog hair to be on in all sorts of weird places. So if you don't want that dog hair up there, that's certainly okay. But the bottom line is you make the decision about that and you decide if that's okay with you. And if it's okay with you and there aren't any specific problems like guarding or that kind of thing, I don't see why it's a problem. And I don't know where that came from or why it is that people, they do the same thing with me. I say, well, where does the dog sleep? And they look at me and they go, well, you're not going to like this. I'm like, why does he have to sleep outside? Because <laughs> I don't like that. And they go, no, he sleeps on the bed. And I go, okay, well, does he growl at you? No. Well, does he growl at your? Does he pee on the bed? <laughs> right. No. Well, does he growl at your husband? No. Okay. Well, I'm so I don't know. Care. Okay with this then. <laughs> does he growl at the cat? Yeah. Does he growl at the other animal? No. Okay. Well, I'm not really caring then to be honest with you. I mean, as long as it's working out, there's no reason for that.
2: And what you could do is rather than just having him launch himself up onto the bed, you you wait for an invite. Yeah, exactly. You just ask him to sit first and then you do the same thing with getting on the couch. Instead of just launching himself into your lap Mm
1: -hmm. or onto
2: the spot next to you, you tell him to sit first Mm -hmm. and then you
1: invite him up onto the couch or the bed. Right. And you know what? The thing is, those kinds of rules which are not really rules, because again, they're not this, you know, diehard must do thing. But getting into the habit of saying he can get on the bed, but he needs to be invited is just a way for you to continuously put yourself in a position of the person with the most influence. So if I make those decisions, I have the most influence over you, right? Because we're continuously having this communication where I tell you how we're going to handle the next thing. It's a really good habit to get into. It is a great way for you to sort of dog train in everyday life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so from that perspective, that's a really good thing. But if you have a dog that that you have really great influence over and you're not having any issues and that dog self-serves to the bed or the couch, that's not a big deal either. It's not a big deal until it's a problem.
2: Right. And until you say, oh, you know what? Move or get off and then... He has an issue with it. He says, yeah, make me. Right.
1: And i got to tell you, my dogs self-serve all these things. But they wouldn't think twice. If I tell them to get off, they do. And if I tell them to leave the room, they do. And uh, All these things are not a problem. So since they're not a problem, I don't care. And sometimes, by the way, I go through periods of time where I say, you can only get up if I tell you it's okay. And sometimes I just let that lapse. I mean, there's, there's not... They don't get in trouble, however, if I've changed it to, now you need to wait for me to tell you. I'll just say, get off, and then, okay, stay off. And then they have to wait for me to tell them to get on, back mm-hmm. on. It's not something that, I think sometimes people get into this idea that if you don't follow particular rules, it's all going to go awry, and everything's going to go crazy, and the whole world's going to spin out of control, and your dog's going to become bad, turn into a bad seed. And that's just not the case. You have to decide the rules that you're going to draw for your dog based on what your needs are. And then it's a really good idea to know what those rules are going to be so that you can be consistent, so that you know where it is that you draw the lines and that you draw the boundaries, Those are because those are really healthy things to have. But the idea that there's some kind of, you know, um, little police squad running around there going hey lady you let your dog out <laughs> or you walked out of the house so it's not okay is just it's ridiculous mm-hmm. so what's another one well
2: we did cover this in a in a whole podcast so people can go back and listen to this but don't feed your your dog people food don't feed your dog people food because it'll make them beg and we actually did an entire podcast on begging but feeding your dog people food does not make him beg just so you know. Now you can go listen to the other podcast.
1: Well, just like feeding your dog, I mean, there's a whole movement out there of raw feeders, people who feed raw food. Oh, and now he's
2: tasted blood.
1: And I, I'm a raw feeder, <laughs> and so are you. Okay, and, and we're not telling anybody that they need to feed their dogs raw food. That's what we choose to do. But I will tell you, it doesn't make them aggressive. They don't, because they've tasted raw meat, they're going to turn into aggressive and want to kill things. It doesn't happen that way. And it doesn't bring out their prey drive or <laughs> make them tougher or any of the things that have These are just these weird myths that people come up with mm-hmm. that kind of get handed down and it, it grows, it's, you know, its own little legs and runs with it. It does. It really does. It really does. So what's another one? Let's think of another one because there, there are, I mean, I run into this all the time. I go to a client's house and they'll give me that sheepish look and they'll go, well, you're not going to like this. I'm like, Okay. <laughs>
2: Don't lie down on the floor with your dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or lie down
2: on the couch with your dog. Or any place where your head is the same level as your dog. So don't even, like your little puppy, don't even hold him up to where he's even with your head.
1: Or he's, or God forbid, you're lower than him. Yes. Yeah. That actually does not determine status. (laughs) And I think that that's where that comes from. Yeah. People imagining that that determines status. There are dogs... That if you put them in a position like that, they will push the envelope and you may decide that you don't want to deal with, do that with a particular dog. If you have a dog that gets really excited and really aroused when you, if you get down on the floor with them, it's probably best not to get down on the floor with them until you've worked through that as a behavior issue. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if they're going to get real physical with you, if they're going to start really bumping you in physical for whatever the reason, sometimes that happens with rescue dogs if they've been played with that way or that kind of thing. As a rule, nah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Another one is don't play tug of war with your dog because it makes him aggressive. Or when you're playing with your dog, he should never growl at you.
1: Oh, I haven't heard that one actually. Really? One.
2: Yeah. Oh, I hear it all the time. When you're playing with your dog, and mostly it goes back to playing tug because when you play tug, the dog growls. Uh-huh. Oh, no, no, no. Don't let him growl. Well, you know what? If you watch two dogs playing, they growl at each other. Yeah. They're communicating, and there's a big difference between a growl in play and a growl in not play.
1: Yeah, but that comes from a misunderstanding that a growl is aggression. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many times have you gone to somebody's house and they say they have a young puppy and they think the puppy's being aggressive, and you watch the puppy and you go, just being a normal puppy, he's just playing, he's having a good time with you. Mm -hmm. This is normal behavior. It's exactly how he would act with other puppies. There's no malice. There's no negative thing happening here at all. Yeah. But it's a misunderstanding, so that's probably where right. that one comes from.
2: Oh, here's another one: always eat before your dog. Always, always eat. Always feed your dog after you've eaten. And if you can't do that, then at least eat a cracker and make him <laughs> make him watch and you make eat it, it. Look like it's out of his bowl. Yeah, yeah. Or and we talked about this too. If you can't eat before your dog, then spit in his food bowl before you give it to him. <laughs>
1: You know, I never heard that one before you told me that one, and I think that's absolutely right. <gasps> I repulsive.
2: know. Just just to let him know you were there before, and you
1: uh-huh. and you had
2: the opportunity to eat before he did. Okay, that one just goes under I the know. term myth. I know. I know. Mean, that's under just, just to,
1: yeah. Because right, I'm not even sure what you would be proving yeah.
2: there. Yeah, but... but as far as the making sure you eat before the dog even if it's just a little cracker can you imagine all the people running around trying to force their dogs to watch them (laughs) eat a cracker no no here watch watch me eat the cracker watch watch me no you have to watch look see watch me eat the cracker and then you can eat (laughs) or i'm gonna spin your food
1: (laughs) if you you don't watch me we're going to the next step (laughs) Ay, 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 ay. Yeah. Well, actually, I probably do have an idea where that came from. You should control your dog's food bowl, and you should make sure that you're the one who decides. I mean, your dog, when you go to feed your dog, your dog shouldn't leap up on you to push the food and out and of your And knock the food hand. bowl down so that then
2: he can graze on the kibble
1: that's now on the floor. <laughs> because it's rude dog behavior, not because he's being dominant or or tough with you, but because it's just really rude dog behavior, and frankly, he shouldn't be allowed to behave that rudely. But... Um, yeah, and that's an interesting one, I'm telling you. Yeah, it was a dog
2: trainer that told me that. Spit in the food? Yeah, the dog trainer told me that she, yeah, that she tells her people to do that. If you, if you, you know, like if you're going to eat dinner, you're going to feed the dogs before you are going to eat dinner, then spit in his food bowl. And I said, you, you
1: tell people that? <laughs> Can you imagine being the person who gets and they that information? And they don't laugh? <laughs> no, because, you know, oh, man, that's bad. Okay, moving on because honestly, I'm getting a little nauseous. <laughs> it's just thing too too thing ridiculous is, for words. It's just pretty bad, actually, pretty gross. Um, what's another one? Okay, if I stop my
2: dog from barking out the window, then he won't protect me when I need him oh, to. Oh yeah.
1: If I stop, if, if I, stop I, stop I teach him my bark- dog from yes, if I teach my dog to control his barking, that then he will not be a good protector. <gasps> yeah. How about? If I don't allow my dog to act aggressive, then he won't be a good protection dog. So when my dog growls at people who come to my house and that kind of thing. And that I have
2: invited in (laughs) for dinner.
1: Well, I don't want him to not be protective. He's protecting me. No. No. (laughs) Yeah.
2: No, I had this discussion the other day with a friend of mine who, because I keep telling her, because her dog is reactive on the leash. When they go for walks and she has this big picture window in one of her front rooms and I've been telling her for years to block that off and she's but he loves to sit in there yes but he barks at every dog that goes by yeah and so she said she said this to me and I've known her for 10 years Mm -hmm. she said but you know I mean if somebody comes to the door and I I want him to bark if there's you know somebody there don't worry he's going to (laughs) if you need him to he's going to especially if you get uptight exactly because he's going to be feeding off of you yeah i know but right now as far as he's concerned you're not controlling him at the window so how the heck are you going to control him out on the street
1: (laughs) well that kind of feeds into the next one which is um the dog who somebody's holding the dog in their arms and the dog growls at somebody who comes up and they say well he's protecting me oh yeah
2: Like you're a a bone.
1: Yeah, that's such a myth, honestly. I mean, we've done other podcasts about this, but can I just say that this one can't be said too often? That is such a myth. He is not protecting you. He is guarding you, and there is a difference. He is possessing you, and it's insulting. Yeah, he guards his chew toy.
2: Or like, you know, like we've all seen on the video shows, you know, the funny video shows where a mother is sitting with her dog, and the kids come up and try to give the mom a kiss, and the dog goes after them, and they all laugh and think it's funny that the dog is protecting the mom. It's pretty sad to think that the dog needs to protect the mom from her own children
1: well it's just one step away anyway of the dog turning around <laughs> and lifting his leg on her because honestly that's just, he might as well because that's what he's doing yeah he's just he's just claiming her as his own and so he's not worried about the kids hurting her this is not this doesn't come from a protective instinct like a dog making sure that the you know person who's trying to break into your house knows that he can't come into our our house and he can't get us this comes from a place of oh no, this is mine, 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 mine. Mine, mine.
2: And if it were a rawhide I'd do the same thing.
1: <laughs> Only I might turn around Well, maybe I would maybe they wouldn't be on that because they're gonna chew on that. But yeah. It's uh, that's another good myth actually. What's another one?
2: My dog jumps on me, does that mean he's dominant? Oh god. Or he stands on my foot. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah don't let your dog stand on your foot now can i just say you know like all of these things so many of them come from some there is some value in this idea if your dog is one of those dogs that tries to keep track of you by maintaining body contact, Mm -hmm. that's when I will have clients break the body contact because that's the dog saying, I don't want to really pay attention to you. So I'm going to do this body contact thing so I can be totally focused on something else. So when we're trying to get Mm focused, it's something that I don't like. However, if your dog comes up and sits on your foot or whatever body contact they make, it doesn't mean that they're trying to claim you or dominate you or somehow take control of you although some herding breeds will try to take control and it, of you. well yeah and it's a different thing right but
2: and it also depends on how they sit on you because they can mark you with their rear end mm-hmm. because of their glands and mm-hmm. so if they sit on you and you can feel them <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to just a casual stick, Which spit. is pretty rare. Right? <laughs> it, is <sad. laughs> it is very rare. rare. It is it is pretty rare, but, but there is there is that. But Sammy's one of those that when he was younger he was so excited in everything else that was going on in the world. And you know, I mean, I don't know where he came from really other than the shelter. Mm-hmm. But At least he was concerned enough with where I was to put his foot on my foot. His back foot is stretching out to my foot, but he's looking at everything else. But as soon as I would take a step backwards, he would panic. Yeah, he would panic and go, oh, my God, where did you go? So at least there was that concern on his part. And over the years, you know, we've worked on it.
1: Right. Well, and some dogs will use their bodies to control you. I mean, there definitely are dogs that will come in and crowd you to push you where they want you to be. But that's not about dominating, guys. That's just... (laughs) <laughs> about pushing you around. And while I don't put up with it, I don't want a dog to call the shots on that level. It's still not any, there's so no malicious intent or... And it's not about status. Yeah. Really. It's just about getting what they want. I mean, occasionally,
2: maybe, in the rare dog who really has other issues also, yeah. it might
1: be. Right. But it tends like to get... Like a dog who
2: stands in the doorway and won't let you go through.
1: Right. That. But that's guarding, and that's a whole different thing. That's yeah. the whole possessive... But, the, but, you know, then it gets painted with this very broad brush. Like I said, there are some solid reasons behind a few of these things, but then it gets painted with this really broad brush. And don't ever let
2: any, ever, this, any oh. dog ever do it, ever, in any situation, ever. <laughs> because otherwise it's bad, 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 bad.
1: <laughs> and it tends to take on... Yeah, a lot of people... Yeah, and
2: people repeat it, and they don't know why.
1: There there. That's the significance to it. Is Yay, that yeah, I finally, it. after 20, <laughs>
2: 27 minutes, I finally got to the point.
1: It's because they repeat it and they don't know why. And because they don't know why, they start to take it on as if that idea in and of itself is the important part. And the important part is why, is what's behind it. And really being able to assess what's going on with your dog. You can have a, a dog that is Shy and uncomfortable. Now that can be a problem too. You can have a shy, uncomfortable dog come over and crowd up close to you, so that if anybody comes near, they snap because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're trying to to get drive backup. everybody away. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get and they're trying to get some backup, mm-hmm. right? So they feel like a little bit stronger because they're going to pick a fight, hoping you're going to finish it. Yeah, but in and of itself, a dog coming over and just putting a body part on your foot or Putting upon your foot or whatever—it doesn't. There's no control there. There's no evil. <laughs> is that what it is? People worry about it being potentially hazardous or problematic. Yeah, or, yeah. So there's no evil intent there. Let's see. Is that it? Can we think of another one? I'm sure we can, but we'll have we'll do a whole nother show about it. Okay. Well, I think that's probably it for now. There are others, but we'll come up with them at another time. And if anybody wants to write in. And tell us some of the funny things you've heard. Yeah, you can contact us off of the website.
2: Or not I, even funny things that you've heard, things that you've heard that you don't know where it came from, you don't know if it's true. That's a really good we point. We can cover them.
1: Because you might think, you might have heard something and really accepted it as the truth, but you really can't come up with the reason why it's important. And if you want to write in and ask us about it, we'd really, you know, we'd love to help you with that or address that on a podcast. Um, you can contact us through. Our website at DoggyDishRadio.com. You can write us an email, or you can find us on Facebook. Yeah, you can submit it to our Facebook page. All right, so thank you very much for joining us today. I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berhani from Animal
2: Attraction Unlimited. See ya!
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at Dog dish at Yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818 800 4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818 890 1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening.